0: You are listening to the Estheticians Earning More podcast with Brittany Higgeman, episode number thirty-six. Welcome to the Estheticians Earning More podcast. On this podcast, we talk about how to love your esthetician business without the hustle, exhaustion, or overwhelm as it booms into a successful business. I teach simple ways how to approach your business that gives you your life back while still growing a profitable business. I grew BLH Beauty in San Diego to a six-figure business, and I learned a lot along the way, which I'm excited to share with you here. So let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Happy Friday. How are you? How has your week been? How has the end of November, beginning of December felt for you. I know this is a very busy time in our businesses, and so I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to my podcast today. You made a good decision because this is with an interview with Caitlin Cosentino. She's the owner of The Beauty Room in Morgan Hill, California. Morgan Hill, for those of you who don't know, is in kind of the Silicon Valley area outside of San Francisco. Gosh, I I did not know Caitlin before interviewing her and we'll kind of explain how we met during the interview. But Caitlin is a wealth of knowledge, okay? If you are a new business owner and you wanna grow a business to six figures, listen to this podcast. If you have moved, if you had a successful business before and you've moved locations, listen to this podcast. (laughs) If you, um have a really successful business and you're trying to figure out a way to streamline it and really make it even better than it was before and make yourself happier and make your clients happier, listen to this podcast. Caitlin really touches on like every stage of business and, um, I love her attitude. I love her energy and I absolutely loved talking to her. So, Grab a cup of tea, sit down, relax, enjoy this podcast, and before you do, a quick word from our sponsor. Hi, Caitlin. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Hi there. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so good. Um, I am really so interested in hearing about your business because you do, I think, two things that are like incredibly popular and incredibly lucrative and also very hard to learn. so I'm really excited to hear all about how you became an esthetician and how you grew your business and all of the things.
1: Yes, so exciting.
0: (laughs) So tell me, did you, um, did you become an esthetician right out of high school or when did you start? What did that, that whole journey start for you?
1: Yeah, so when I was in high school, I decided that I wanted to be in the beauty industry, but at that point, I didn't know if I wanted to be a cosmetologist or an esthetician. So I went and toured a few different schools, and I immediately knew that esthetician was the route I wanted to go. So right after high school, I don't even think I started my summer break. I went straight into school. And that's where I started, right after high school. That's amazing. And,
0: and you're in Morgan Hill. Did you go to school in Morgan Hill?
1: I actually went to school in San Francisco at the Evada Institute. Okay. Now okay. they'll have one in San Jose. But at that time when I went to school, which was back in 2011, um, that's the only location that they had. Okay. And
0: how was that for
1: you? Did you love school? Did you Oh, I loved school. I remember getting treatments and treating other people, you know, like my models and my classmates and just feeling so lucky cuz I knew a lot of my friends were, you know, bored doing like math and history and their college classes and I was like, "Ooh, this is really nice." <laughs> I,
0: I'm so jealous of you. I I'm also I grew up in the Bay Area as I just told you before we started the call and I really should have done the exact same thing as you and gone to esthetician school out of high school. I'd have been so much Mm -hmm. happier. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) I kind of did like the the back way around things. So I started beauty school. I finished it. I started for a few months as an esthetician, working, practicing. And then I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to be more of a medical esthetician. So becoming a nurse. Okay. So I did go back to school. Oh, you did, And either. I took a few classes and I'm like, yeah, this, this really isn't for me. <laughs> so, cause my kind of thing, when I was going through school and when I finished school, I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to be a business owner. Like that's too much work. I'm not interested in doing that. Okay. And then, um, after practicing, I realized how much work it really was. And I'm like, okay, I think I want to go a different route. And then I tried that. And then I'm like, okay, school's not for me. I don't want to become a medical esthetician. So I need to either jump in and create my own business and do my own thing and see where it goes. Okay.
0: So is that, is that what you did? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So you, <laughs> so you were – how long were you an esthetician when you started your own business? How long had you been licensed?
1: Um, So – When I first started, I was working for a corporation that lasted a few months. Okay. And then I met a gal in Morgan Hill and I started as her employee and I was her employee for a year and then I decided that I wanted to start my own business, so I started renting a room from her. Okay. And I did that for a year. So I was with her for two years, but on my own for one year. Okay. And then a lot of changes happened in Morgan Hill and we all had to leave. So then that was kind of my opportunity and my sign to, you know, take a leap and create my own business. And then I had that for about seven years, seven or eight years, And we decided to make a huge move as a family and we moved to Texas and then that lasted a year and then we moved back and I had to start all over again. (laughs) Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. So
0: for seven years, you grew a business and then you, you did what I did. You left it (laughs)
1: and everyone probably thought you were
0: crazy. Yes. And then you went to Texas and did you start all over again or were you just um, not working in Texas? So when we moved to
1: Texas, our plan was for me to be a stay-at-home mom. At that point, we had a six-month-old baby. Oh, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> with your first, I know you have a baby. Yes. Um, with your first, I really, I really wanted to raise her and be the sole provider for her, along with yeah. my husband. And having done that, I really missed me you know Mm -hmm. doing aesthetics and Mm -hmm. taking care of people and it was in a way taking care of myself yes although I love being a mom like this is what I'm meant to do so um we moved there so I could be a stay-at-home mom and I shortly found out that that it's the hardest job anyone can ever do (laughs) You know, I
0: really appreciate you saying that because these are things, you know, I've heard people say before I had a baby and I, and I felt the same way that you did, mm-hmm. which was like, I, I finally got to have a baby. I'm, I'm an older mom. I'm not old. I'm an older mom. Okay. And I, was like, I finally got to have my baby. I worked, you know, I waited so long for her yes. and yeah, you know, you do, you, you don't, there's nothing for you. It's, it's yes. always for your child. And it's amazing, but really, really hard. I so missed working. I missed using my brain and talking mm-hmm. to adults and, and totally. making money and all of these things. And so I think, um, I actually want to do a whole other podcast about it because I think it's, <laughs> it really is, um, the challenge of navigating, like, working when you have a baby is a whole thing isn't a whole thing also I mean at least in my experience like my husband doesn't really have to deal with he just gets mm-hmm. to go to work yes and those are conversations we have regularly like you just get to go to work and I have to make sure all these things happen so I can go to work but <laughs> yes <laughs> anyway <laughs> um yeah okay so that that is amazing so then you okay so you decided you want to go back into aesthetics and so that meant to come back to California
1: Yes. Cause our whole family is in California. Okay. So we kind of up and left in hopes that maybe some people would follow and we, we weren't there for very long and we loved Texas and I had a great opportunity to work there. Okay. Um, but before we moved, we had our daughter in daycare and we really didn't want to have to do that in Texas. And we knew if we moved back, we would have a lot of help and that's kind of something we weren't willing to sacrifice was putting her in daycare so I could go to work
0: okay so does your parents or aunt or someone
1: yeah so my my parents help a few days a week and then my husband's sister helps a few days a week so amazing right now I'm working four days and that's kind of what I'm planning to continue to do. Okay. Amazing. I relate to everything that you're saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All the healthcare, um, you yes. know, move, moving parts It's moving parts. Always. It's never Absolutely. a system. Okay. So you came back to Morgan Hill and you had to start your business again. Tell me what that was like.
1: So when I sold my business, it was a few weeks before the pandemic and, um, I really had no idea what it was going to be like to kind of start all over again, like what that was going to cost, because when we moved and when I sold, I sold everything. I left everything except for one sugar pot that I took with me so I could show myself. You know, I was like going on Amazon and going through, you know, the other skincare lines and other things that I would purchase and I'm like adding it all up. And (sighs) I was kind of like, wow. (laughs) So expensive. Uh, It was expensive, but you know what? I knew that I was going to be okay and I was going to pay it off within a few months. And I did. I paid all of my debt off in three months and- Through all of that, when we moved back, I was actually three months pregnant. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So um, when we moved back, you know, I had a lot of my clients because I had known them for 10 years. At that point, they were already they knew I was moving back because they followed me on my personal social media. Okay. So I really didn't have a hard time getting those clients back. Plus. A lot of them hadn't been going anywhere because of the pandemic. So right. when we moved back, we moved back in October of last year. So they had only been open for, I think, like two months at that point. Um, so a lot of them hadn't seen anyone. So they were like, cool, you're coming back. It's like you never left. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. In some ways, the timing was really perfect in that yes. way. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so I'm going to make sure I understand the timeline. So you sold your business early 2020. Yes. And then moved, and then it was COVID, and you were in Texas when COVID hit. hmm And then you came back about a year ago, the end of 2020. Yes. Okay. Yep. And you started it again. And then you were pregnant. So wait, yes. when did you have your baby? <laughs> April. April oh 1st. <laughs> Yes. Oh, my gosh, Caitlin, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed by you, okay? I'm, I have lots of respect. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah, okay. it's been a crazy few years, that's for sure. Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah. Okay, so then, so you said that you, you know, you started totaling how much it costs, and then you paid it back in three months. How did you know you were going to be able to pay that back? I think that's... um. That's just the, the fear in business. And this, Even if you're, you're expanding your business and like some of my, you know, clients are like moving into bigger spaces that cost, you know, tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. or, or whatever. How do you like, how was, do you have a
1: knowing in, in your body? How did you know that that was going to be? Um, I think based on when I was working previously, I knew about how much I was going to make a month. Okay. Um, and I think just having that in the back of my mind and I just, I don't know. I wasn't afraid even if it was going to take me six months or a year to pay it off. That's what I had to do. Yeah. And when we moved back because my clients, I have a, a large amount of clients for facials And it was kind of scary because at that point when I moved back, we weren't allowed to do facials. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to kind of dive back in and do sugaring and only sugaring because I don't know when and if I'm going to be able to do facials again. Right. So I don't know. It just was like, okay, the money – needs I need to buy things and I think I kind of started small so I didn't have everything that I have now uh-huh. so I did kind of what I needed I bought what I needed and then went from there I love that because I think a lot of
0: estheticians will be like oh I'll just buy this and I'll buy this and then buy this and it's really not good business sense because yeah. you're just blowing money on things that you don't really need mm-hmm. to run a business
1: right right And I kind of knew, like, what my clientele, like, what kind of clientele I wanted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I knew that those were the products and things that I needed to carry to kind of fit what I was going to do and see. How did you – is that – how did you know what
0: kind of clientele you wanted? Is that from your previous experience? Was that it kind of a, did you have a newer idea of what you wanted? Cause like for me personally, I have a different idea when I open up here, eventually what kind of clientele yeah. I want based yeah. on my previous experience. So tell me more
1: about that. Yeah. So I definitely wanted to have it be a little bit different. What I've noticed after everything that's happened, um, I've noticed a lot of Estheticians and hairstylists, they're kind of narrowing down their specialty and what they really want to focus in. Mm-hmm. So, when we first moved back, I kind of just kept doing what I was doing in the past, which was like anything head to toe, facials, eyebrows, Brazilians, all that kind of stuff, legs, arms. And recently, I've decided and I've made a big change with my business where I'm only going to be offering sugaring for Brazilians and then any kind of facial that one would need so I'm making a huge shift now in my business of services that I'm putting the most effort in I have a wait list so I'm seeing what people are really wanting to come back to me for Mm -hmm. so I know what I'm what I'm good at and what I specialize in and that's what I want to offer on my schedule
0: and so have you found that to be successful? Cause I think, I mean, I did that as well. And I, a lot of the people on my podcast ha- have done something similarly, but I think there are estheticians that are listening that are like, no, 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 because now I'm losing money. Cause I could have been doing an eyebrow mm-hmm. wax or sugar. I could have also been doing an underarm and that would have been an extra $50. And so yeah. what, um, you know, how do, how do you, how do you approach that?
1: Well, it it was terrifying. I think in <laughs> <laughs> I think in the 10 years that I've been an esthetician, I've maybe fired one client. So okay. having to be like I'm sorry, like I know I do your brows, but I I'm not going to be seeing you anymore. And at first I was going to do it, you know, like do one appointment and then we're done, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get you guys through Thanksgiving okay. and then after that, you know, here are some options for you of where I know to go. Um, but it was terrifying. I think canceling, because I book out at least three months for people so that they have their spot. Right. And canceling those appointments for December was terrifying. Like,
0: oh, you had to cancel to December. You didn't yes. need to stop booking. Oh my gosh, that is terrifying. So, but
1: you know what? I know that those appointment slots are gonna get filled because I know what my wait list looks like. Yeah. So I it's scary for sure and it was a hard decision to make. but a few years ago with my old business, I previously stopped taking a lot of services. so I was kind of already doing that. okay. But then when we moved back, because I had more availability, I was trying to prepare for having a baby. I kind of did everything and anything because I just wanted to be working. Right. Especially after taking a year off. Um. So, but honestly, I feel like a lot of my clients that stuck with me for services that I'm not going to offer anymore, those were clients that I had been seeing for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the clients that I was attracting for new services wanted to see me for those services that I was specializing in.
0: Got it. Okay. So it was kind of it. It's already naturally happening. Yes. Okay. That is I mean, that is a big leap, but it is more lucrative when you do specialize Mm -hmm. because you can charge more, you can really get even better at your craft and then you become known for that. And that actually can elevate your business more than if you do everything.
1: Absolutely.
0: And so you do, um, you do sugaring as well. Did you do sugaring right out of school? I want to ask about that because you're the first person who's, who's (laughs) done sugaring on my (laughs) podcast and some of those (laughs) who are. Uh, Yeah. So those who are, you know, interested in sugaring or do sugaring as well, I want to make sure I ask you some questions about that. So did you tell me about your journey with sugaring?
1: Yeah. So my teacher in school, she actually had her own spa and she showed us how to sugar just, you know, with on a model doing a Brazilian. And when I was in school, I'm like, that looks so weird. I don't like that. (laughs) Um, So that kind of like went In the back of my mind. And then in school, I actually really did not like and enjoy waxing. I just liked the facials. Okay. So for a few years, I was waxing using hard wax specifically. I didn't really use soft wax just for like legs and stuff. Okay. But I really hated creating pain. Mm. And I just was, I wasn't ever getting better at it. So a few of the girls that I was working with, we decided to go and get certified and learn about sugaring because we had kind of been hearing about it a lot. And I'm like, well, this might be my saving grace of how I'm going to start enjoying hair removal because at this point I'd see an appointment pop up on my schedule and I would be terrified. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Uh, So I learned, I got certified And we practiced on each other and ourselves for months before we packed, before we brought it in and started practicing on paying clients. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge adjustment because it was new for everyone. It was new for us. And we were basically convincing people that this was better and that they would like it more. And for me personally, I when I would get waxed, I would be very red, super irritated, and I would get a lot of ingrowns, whether mm-hmm. it was hard or soft wax. Mm-hmm. So when I got sugared, when we got certified, I was actually one of the models because I'm like, I need to know what this feels like yeah, because, you know, I need to know if I like it and I want to get it done by someone that actually knows what they're doing. So I have a good experience. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So I got it done and I was maybe pink for like an hour or so. And okay. then it was like nothing happened. Like wow. no pain. I I still got some ingrowns, but not nearly as many as I would get with wax. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, my clients have to have this. I need to like, figure out how to do this because it was really hard. I remember like trying to get the sugar out of the jar and it's going down my arm and it's flying everywhere all over the room. (laughs) It was, it was awful, but uh, (laughs) I'll never forget. (laughs) The first client that I did it on, she was like, wow, this, it was such a different experience, Mm -hmm. but she loved it. And every client that I tried it on, Wanted it again. So it wasn't a hard transition of moving from wax to sugar. But I think people just don't know about it. Because like you said, it's a hard kind of technique to learn.
0: I couldn't learn it, Caitlin. I have (laughs) my hat is off to you. (laughs) I spent probably around a $1,000 and months, months and months and months practicing. And Mm -hmm. it just... I, I just we I don't know I think I I would get too hot and then I would melt yes. the sugar and then it just and then I couldn't get it off and I'd use one <laughs> towel and another too hot it just was a, literally figuratively a mess.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely temperature sensitive. So I have three different pastes that I mix. So if my room's a little warm, if mm-hmm. I'm a little warm, if they're a little warm, right, or even if it's like you know raining outside and it's cold, I'll use a softer paste. So you definitely have to mix different paste to get the consistency that's perfect for that particular client in whatever environment it is. It's really sensitive.
0: It is an art and to be able to do it and do it well is Um, I mean, there's a reason you can pay, you can charge so much because it's the amount of time and energy it takes to learn how to do it and to do it well, Mm -hmm. um, is, is, is a lot. So that is absolutely, so you've been sugaring for how many years now? How how long ago was that?
1: Um, eight years. Okay. Yeah. Cause I only waxed for two years okay, and then learned how to sugar and did it. I think we started sugaring after just three months on clients. Yeah. Wow.
0: Okay. So then now you just only sugar Brazilians, right? You don't Mm -hmm. do any other body parts?
1: Nope. Just Brazilians.
0: (laughs) Okay. I mean, that's money. That's the, that is money for sure. Um, and then you do corrective facials or all kinds of facials,
1: mainly corrective facials. I will have some clients that come in just for relaxation and, you know, a good sort of clean and massage for their skin. But most of my clients are either acne or result driven facials trying to, um, trying to correct pigmentation or fine lines. And you do the hydrofacial as well. Is that, my, is that correct? Yes. So I recently purchased my hydrofacial machine. Wow. Uh, like I said, when we moved back, I had had a previous machine when I sold my business and okay. then when we moved back. I didn't really see the point of buying a machine because we weren't able to do facials at that point. Yeah, And then I was a little bit worried about how people were going to feel getting facials once we were allowed to. Uh-huh. So I kind of put that on the back burner because I just didn't, I didn't want to make an investment if I wasn't going to be offering those services. So right. I bought a dupe of the hydrofacial and it worked. It was nice. My clients enjoyed it. It it's served its purpose. And then after a year of doing that, I decided I needed to make the leap and purchase the hydrofacial and I don't regret it at all.
0: I, um, I've only gone to hydrofacial once and it was really incredible. And so I, I had, it's like, it's like a dream of mine to do hydrofacial one day. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it, it does create such incredible results. And again, you can, it's a premium service. And so you yes. can charge more.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay,
0: so one of my goals in this podcast is to really elevate the industry and elevate how much estheticians are charging and making and profit and gross sales and all things like that. And I think mm-hmm. the more we talk about it, the more we will all be elevated. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Again, <laughs> um, yeah, so I know you're in a, you know, wealthy area, right? Morgan Hill is this, you know, Silicon Valley and it's, it's a wealthier area, but tell me about how you chose, how you choose pricing and how you choose, um, you know, all of that when you're, when you're making business decisions, cause you've, you've talked about, you know, you're making these big investments, hydrofacial, that's like a, at least a $25,000 machine, right? Mm -hmm, Correct. So these are, you know, big purchases, it's a lot of money, big investments. And so you have to, I know you have to be making really good money to do that. So can you talk us through about like how you chose pricing and, and all of that?
1: Yeah. So honestly, experience, education, how much I'm putting towards what, you know, what I'm giving my clients is how I basically base it off of. Cause what I charged even five years ago is different than what I charge now. Mm-hmm. So experience is huge. And, you know, when you're fully booked, the way that you grow your business is to give yourself raises. And I don't think a lot of estheticians and, Professionals out there think about giving themselves raises, but that's the only way, like, a normal nine-to-five job, like, they get raises every year, but we get set on, I'm scared to raise my prices because I'm afraid of losing people. And you you might lose people, but the people that love your services and love you and want to continue seeing you will pay that. I... Gosh, Caitlin, I'm going to use that
0: phrase. Give yourself a raise. Yes. <laughs> I have never heard someone say it that way before. And that's exactly what you're doing. I mean, it, it's it's absolutely true. So how often do you normally raise your prices or how do you approach raising your prices? Like how, how, when do you decide it's time to raise and then how much you usually raise them by?
1: Um, It kind of depends. So. The way that I kind of geared things is, for example, with a Brazilian. So I used to charge 60 and then I just bumped it to 65 Okay. And I've offered packages. So if people want to pay the $60, and they can buy a package and pay it all up front, and that's a way that they can continue at that price. Okay. But if those people that don't want to pay the money up front – then they'll basically, you know, pay the new rate. So I would say every year or so I'll kind of raise prices, especially now with, I can't believe how much certain things cost with everything that's gone on. Like I went to order a normal box of gloves that would maybe cost me $200 and it's now like $500. It's, it's just, it's crazy. And I don't think people realize you know, that's what happens. Yes. Especially with COVID. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: gloves used to be so cheap and now they're so expensive.
1: Yes. It's crazy.
0: Okay. So you, about yearly and then about as, you know, as obviously with, with costs going up, you've raised your prices. And so, um, let me think about how I want to ask this next, like how I want to <laughs> talk about hitting a hundred thousand. Do you mind talking about hitting a hundred thousand dollars? No, no, Okay. So when the way, the way we connected for the listener, um, for their knowledge is I posted on my stories. If you are an esthetician and you do a hundred, at least a hundred thousand dollars a year, gross, um, sales that I want you on my podcast. And then you responded. And so that's how we connected. (laughs) So tell me about hitting a hundred thousand. What, at what point in your business, have you hit it already for this year and kind of, and how you, like, do you have goals about how much you should be hitting a quarter or yearly? Or tell me about kind of that business building part of it.
1: Um, so I would say once I ventured off on my own and after a few years of owning my own business, that's really when I hit that number. And I think going back, when I first started as an esthetician, I worked seven days a week, whatever hours people wanted to come in. I really wanted to build my name. I wanted to people, I wanted people to know who I was. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of more at their mercy. And then as I built my clientele, I was able to narrow down my days, my hours and build from there. -hmm. And then whenever I would have a slower month, if I had, you know, a few gaps in my schedule or if I had a day that was kind of slower, I would go back four or eight weeks and see who wasn't on my schedule. And I would text them, call them, because honestly, we're the last things on their mind, especially with work and kids and all of that. Mm -hmm. So I would text them or call them and I would say, Hey you know, it's been X amount of weeks. I'd love to see you. Let me know if you need anything, like if you need any products or if you need to come in for a service. And most of the time, I would say 99% of the time, those clients would be like, I've been meaning to text you. I really want to get in for whatever service, you know? Yeah. So I think just reaching out, kind of putting a bug in people's ear and being like, Hey, I'm still here. Hey, like you need me. (laughs) Um, I think that is what's really helped me my schedule stay consistent mm-hmm. and has allowed me to continue to grow and want people to refer their friends and their family because they they like the services, they trust me. Yes, and I think
0: that that's a good um, I did that as well, but I, I kind of forgot that I did that, and I think that's such a great tip because that is working hard, but not hustling. And it kind of talks about like the beginning, you talked about the beginning, you were hustling where you were just like working all the time, Mm -hmm. whatever worked for everybody else, but versus like, you're going to work really hard when you're working and make sure you fill your hours and, you know, do what you need to do, but you're not like, you know, working at nine o'clock on a Tuesday. Correct.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. And so do you now that you are, you know, regularly hitting a hundred thousand, is that um, is that do you have quarterly goals or do you have like yearly goals or anything like that? Or is it just kind of like as the business grows, awesome?
1: Definitely as it goes. Um, I can tell you, I've definitely already hit that. Yay! So, Amazing,
0: Caitlin.
1: Yes. So it's You know, I feel like when you love what you do, people recognize that and it it attracts people to you.
0: Yes, it does. And, you know, it's something that I I say over and over again, but if you're not making money, if you're not making a profit, if you're not taking home money in the business, then there will be no business. And so Mm -hmm. we really want the business, You, we want to make money and we want, our clients actually want us to make money. My clients have always been very, excited for me to make money because they they know if I'm making money that means I'll be here you know I'll continue to provide
1: services for them exactly and I think you know as hard as it was for my clients that would just come in to see me for their eyebrows like they're obviously super bummed but at the same point they're like I get it I understand Mm -hmm. this is a business move because at first I was like well maybe I could just work another day and then just offer brows for that day. And then I won't do any other services the other days. And I'm like, but that's not going to make me happy. Yeah. yeah, And that's important because
0: then you start resenting your business and then it's a big mess for everybody.
1: Yes, exactly. Okay. So
0: you have a wait list. How do you manage that? What's your kind of approach to the wait list? Because that's a common theme mm-hmm. um, with estheticians
1: that I, I talk to. So I've tried a few different platforms in the last few months and I've loved using Vegaro. Okay. Um, They have an amazing waitlist platform where people can book their own appointments. They can purchase products, memberships, packages, all through that. Wow. Um, But they can basically pick a day and they'll see what hours and days that you're open for. So they can't book like on a Sunday if you don't work Sundays, but they can add themselves multiple days and multiple times. And then if someone cancels their appointment, they'll basically get a text and an email, whatever they're signed up for. And they'll get notified that that opening is available and then they have to book it. And the problem, the problem that I've been having and it's a good problem for me Um, is I have multiple people with the same availability. So five people will get, hey, there's an opening on Monday at two o'clock, but whoever books it first is who gets it. Yeah. So, you know, that one person will snag it, and then I'll get four text messages being like, hey, where's that opening? And I'm like, "Eh, well... (laughs) You got to jump on it. (laughs) You can be faster. (laughs) So it's a great problem for me to have. Um, I'm super thankful for it, but, you know, it is hard. We wear so many different hats and you want to wear people pleasers. I know I'm a people pleaser and I have a hard time saying no, but it's definitely been easier for me to close when I'm supposed to close and come in when I'm supposed to come in because I have kids and it shouldn't be that way. Right. But I know it's, it's hard for us to kind of say no.
0: <laughs> I know. And I hear what you're saying and people actually will respect it. If you're like, no, I have to go home to my, my children versus like, no, I'm just going home. People exactly. don't respect that as much, which is just so unfair. Cause what if you never want to have kids and what you should be able to yes. still go home? Cause it's time to go, to go home.
1: Yeah. Um, Um, And I think, too, I work with a lot of estheticians that are kind of growing their business or they're in school and they're trying to, you know, navigate through what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my biggest advice that I give them is set boundaries, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, enforce your cancellation policy, your rescheduling policy and if you want to work later, if you want to add days, let it be up to you and not always what your clients are asking of you. Yeah. And talk more about that because I think people think that's good customer service to do Mm -hmm. that. It is, but I feel like obviously it is good customer service to give your clients what they want. But if you're feeling if you're having negative feelings and you're you're upset that you're working longer and you don't want to work longer, you're not going to give them great service. Exactly. And they're going to feel that. So it's just not – it's not good for either of you, you know? Right, right, exactly. That's
0: exactly right because then you're resentful and you're like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be here, and then they're like, she doesn't want to be
1: here, and then like, what's the point? Yes, and I've had clients ask to be squeezed in – And I know that they're a quick like 15 minute appointment and I have a quick little 15 minute gap. And it's always those times that I bend the rules and I do that, that I regret it because I'm not able, you know, to give them everything that they know that they want and what they need. So it just ends up not being a great idea
0: <laughs> that's that's actually such a good point because even though you're accommodating them by squeezing them in you'd maybe not like maybe you're not able to tweeze and grown hairs or do yes. do an extra something that you normally do and they're like wait a minute I want that but yes. I'm not paying the full amount but you know so then it's kind of like they're actually a little bit unhappy when they leave them though you'd squeeze them in correct mm-hmm. yeah Ugh, well this has been really <laughs> amazing talking to you and I I love your story. I love, um, I love your business sense and how you um, really took, have taken so many risks in your career and building your business and how much those risks have paid off. And I think that'll be really helpful for other estheticians because estheticians are afraid of taking risks. This is really mm-hmm. scary. <laughs>
1: Definitely.
0: Right. <laughs> Yes, but you know they've paid off, and and you're able to you know have a business that you love and make money and have clients that absolutely love you and love your services, and it's just like it's 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 the dream of that every esthetician once and, and it's incredible.
1: Yeah, it's definitely hard work, but if you're motivated and determined, you can make anything happen. A hundred percent. That is where we will end because that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best and that's a hundred percent true.
0: so much fun, right? I mean, I just, I love this interview. I, um, gosh, it's so many good things in this interview. I really hope you loved it as much as I loved it. Caitlin, thank you again for your time. I interviewed her the weeks, um, up leading to Thanksgiving, which we know is such a busy time in our, um, business and on, you know, the country, (laughs) the culture that we live in. Um, so I just, I really appreciate Caitlin. It's been by my heart. You give me your time and your wisdom. Um, so thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review it. And also please share with a friend who's an esthetician. I would love that. Talk to you next week. Hey, if you are in the... Space of your business, your business is booming, and you are really busy, but you're also completely overwhelmed. Working 24/7, have a hard time saying no to clients, have a hard time with cancellation policies and holding boundaries. Maybe you're having a hard time keeping your clients compliant, and you are just busy, busy, busy. I'm here for you. That is what I do with my estheticians, and I. Would love to chat with you to see if what I do aligns with what you need in your business. I offer 15-minute free coaching calls where we deep dive into what you need and see if we're a good fit. My next one-to-one um, group coaching starts on January 10th, 2022. How's that new year already coming? So if you would like to possibly start with me, then go ahead to the link in the show notes or the link in my Instagram profile to book your free consult and we can see if we're a
1: good fit. I cannot wait to talk to you more.